Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at MinkyCouture.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. We have got an absolutely jam-packed show for you guys tonight. All kinds of NFL. Matter of fact, this is the first time. How long has it been since we've had an all-NFL show? It's been a minute, and that's what we're going to have for you tonight. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, I, I didn't get an opportunity to sort of talk about his um, his press conference that he did the other day. There was, as is always the case with Aaron, there's always some gems in there. But there was one in particular that stood out to me. And you guys know I'm an Aaron Rodgers skeptic that I looked at and I was like, okay, that, that's actually a great sign. I'll get to that later on today's show. Uh, as well as Will Levis. Really the story of the first round, Will Levis falls out of, uh, of the first round entirely. He was expected to go fourth overall by many to the Indianapolis Colts. I even saw a few people say, hey, don't count out Carolina. Maybe you know, shaking up the whole draft and taking Will Levis. Him slipping to me isn't all that surprising. It's for a couple reasons, but one in particular. Uh, I'll get to that later on today's show, as well as uh, the whole situation regarding uh, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who, in my view, as far as I'm concerned, won the first round convincingly. Uh, and I'll get to that later in today's show, as well as the Dallas Cowboys doing what the Dallas Cowboys tend to do, and that is uh, that is the stink stink to join up, uh, particularly in the in the NFL draft when they need weapons. But we'll start with Lamar Jackson. I was going to talk about him yesterday, but two things came into play. Number one, I already had the show planned in advance with NBA playoffs talk. My Warriors won Game Five against the Sacramento Kings. You had the uh, the Heat upsetting Milwaukee. My man Parnell. Came on the show, the host of the Commander's Demand podcast. Had a great time with him. And I had to end the show as, as soon as I could because we had the NFL Draft live reaction show last night. And by the way, to everybody that stopped by in the comments, who watched, who tuned in, even if it was for a couple minutes, and certainly to everybody 
who, who, who was a part of it, to Adam and to Barry and to Parnell, Devin, the newest member of the grid, by the way, to Ryan Flowers, to Alfred Parsar Jr., to Mike Guido, everybody was a part of it. Hats off to every single last one of y'all. Uh, really, really appreciate it. I had an absolute blast last night. And by the way, kind of use this as an opportunity. Uh, if you have not watched the Grid 2023 NFL Draft Live Reaction Show, it is available now on the Grid Network. And if you want to go watch it on YouTube you can, or on Twitter, you can go watch it on Twitter. All of that to say, I did not get a chance to talk about what is, to me, the story of the NFL offseason barely surpassing Aaron Rodgers getting traded to the New York Jets. And that is finally. Finally, it's over. Lamar Jackson got paid. According to multiple reports, if I'm not mistaken, Ian Rappaport, just Ian Anderson, uh, were, were among the first on this. Want to give them credit. And every other reporter who was all over the story, Jay Glazer as well. Lamar Jackson, five years, $260 million, including 100 and 105 of it fully guaranteed. Uh, and, and Lamar Jackson now becomes, for the moment, the highest paid player uh, in league history, surpassing Jalen Hurts, who got paid uh, not too long ago. This, to me, was one of the more confusing and interesting contract negotiation crises, at least that a franchise could have, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, that I've seen in some time. The Dak Prescott situation about two and a half years ago compares in some ways. But I love Dak. He's not Lamar. He's a little more accurate than Lamar. Maybe moves a little bit better in the pocket. He's better pre-snap. But in terms of playmaking ability, in terms of making big-time throws to the pocket, we know about his athleticism. That goes without saying. The man rushed for 1,000 yards in the season. He's, he's spectacular in the running game. He's got an NFL body. He's got all the leadership intangibles you want. And for a Ravens organization, which I have conceded numerous times when I've talked about this Lamar uh, contract situation, I mean, how many shows have I done on this one topic? I've said the Ravens are one of the most well-run franchises in football. The ownership group, Steve Bashotti, Eric DeCosta has done a solid job as a general manager. And I think John Harbaugh is one of the better coaches in the NFL. Ravens have a great defense, tremendous offensive line. Now, up until last night, I think their wide receiving unit was eh, left some things to be desired. Without Lamar Jackson, that offense was a you-know-what show. It was bad. They averaged 10 points less per game without Lamar than with Lamar. And by the way, I think I, I think the, the kid they had in there was, was a solid backup, not even close to a guy who was a unanimous MVP. But when you consider what Lamar Jackson is, you consider the fact that for all those who say can't throw, yeah, he's... Almost always in the 60% completion percentage range. Led the league in touchdown passes in his MVP year. Has rushed for 1,000 yards. And most importantly, because this is what it comes down to, he wins 75% of his games. And it is a situation where it's like Jimmy Garoppolo wins 75% of his games, but it's really all the pieces around him. We saw that with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is, is Mr. Irrelevant, steps in, and the offense looks significantly better with a kid who's small, doesn't have a big arm, but is really accurate, moves well. Brought a lot of things that Garoppolo could not to the table. Whole different situation with Lamar Jackson. This team, this offense rather, can't function if he's not in the lineup. And the reality of the situation is, if you look at the AFC right now, compare AFC and NFC, it's in terms of, and we've talked about this numerous times on the show, but in terms of quarterback disparity, it's not even a contest. Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFC. I don't think anybody argues that. He's, he's the man. 
I think I've got him as a top five quarterback, but he's fifth. And some might have him because you're, you would make the case, well, it's only one good season. I'd say, well, it's a pretty good year. He, he did lead them to the Super Bowl and finish second for MVP. That's a that's a pretty good season and showed significant improvements as a passer, which is why the Eagles paid him. But if you look at the AFC, and this is why I'll get to Aaron Rodgers of the Jets later, this is why I'm at a little skeptical about their chances of contention, despite how good the roster is and the fact that they've got a four-time MVP behind center now. At best, Aaron Rodgers is the fifth-best quarterback in the AFC. I'm taking Mahomes. I'm taking Burrow. I'm taking Allen. I'm taking uh, Lawrence. At best, Aaron Rodgers is the fifth-best guy. Lamar Jackson, I put slightly over Aaron because, again, what have you done for me lately? Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs has been a no-show. Lamar Jackson, matter of fact, has won a playoff game as recently as Aaron Rodgers' 2020 season. Went to Tennessee, a team that whooped him and the Ravens the year before, and played outstanding, led them to victory. Ran them and threw them to victory. What was Baltimore's other options? We can say it's a well-run franchise, and it is. And 10, 15 years ago, this, this franchise, the way that they're built, 10, 15 years ago, could absolutely survive. Could absolutely get in the playoffs. Dare I say win a playoff game. But it's 2023. The game's changed. Drastically. It's all about the quarterbacks. And if you don't have that guy, man, that ceiling is hard. You're, you're going to get a concussion. How hard you hit that ceiling in terms of how far you can go with a limited quarterback. For all the concerns about Lamar's abilities as a as an accurate passer, again, is he ever going to be Joe Burrow, passer of the pocket? No, he's not. But does he have to be? I'd argue Patrick Mahomes isn't. Now, is Lamar Patrick Mahomes? No. But there are things Lamar brings to the table that Mahomes either can do, but not as well, or can't do at all. In 2023, especially in that conference, you've got to have a quarterback. Heck, in that division, Joe Burrow is going to be running the AFC North for the next 15 years. That, that's, that's, there's no debate about that. But Deshaun Watson, well, I have concerns about his ability. Listen, uh, he obviously a year and a half off. We didn't know the situation off the field. But he did only play six games last year. He hadn't played in a year and a half. He was rusty. I mean, that's, listen, however you feel about Deshaun Watson off the field, there's no question a lot of his, his struggles last year due to the fact, man, hadn't played in basically two years. He'll be better this year. Can he pick it? I talked about it at the end of last season. There's some, I don't know what it is. People talk about the it factor. There's something I like about Kenny Pickett. You need Lamar Jackson. You've you got to have him to compete with what, what the best of the AFC North has to bring, what the best of the AFC has to bring. If not, you're going to be in the cellar of the AFC for the next however long until you find a quarterback. And as we've seen, that's not as easy as it looks. You've got a draft last night, and you get, which you've got five quarterbacks that have been highly touted, highly talked about, three that were obviously taken last night in the top four picks. I think about 2018, you got five quarterbacks taken in the first round. You had some, uh, 2021, you had five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Usually one or two of them, M maybe three. You cross your fingers with the third one, pan out. Are the Ravens capable of finding one? Sure. Is he going to be as good as Lamar? I mean, again, I think Lamar's the sixth best quarterback in the NFL. Is he going to be that good? That's a, that's a big gamble. Costs a lot of people their jobs if you're trying to put all your eggs in that one basket.
They had to. If you don't have a quarterback in this league, you can't win. Forget about it. It's it will take wizard coaching from a Brian Dable, for example, to get the best out of Daniel Jones to get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. I mean, we criticize guys like Kirk Cousins for not winning the postseason, rightfully so. We say the Seahawks can only go so far with Geno Smith, and that is true. But you've got to have a guy just to get you there. They've got that guy now for the next five years. And why I feel confident this Ravens team can get right back in a Super Bowl contention, one of the things I've been criticizing all offseason is how, how the Ravens have run their offense which is why they fired Greg Roman. And I said, when Greg Roman was fired, you can go back and look when he was fired. I said, two things can be true. The first thing is, Greg Roman was perfect for what Lamar Jackson needed when he came into the NFL in 2018. He was not the pocket passer that he he needed to be. He was an incredibly raw prospect. They needed a guy who, who could play into his strengths. I could see the Colts potentially doing this with Anthony Richardson to try and get the best out of him. But the second thing that could be true is Lamar's developed so much to the point where the way Greg Roman was calling the game was holding him back, wasn't getting the best out of him, and was getting him hurt the last two seasons. Now you bring in a new offensive coordinator, and now you bring in Odell Beckham Jr. And we could say concerns about Odell in terms of how good is he going to be coming off of a second ACL, having not played in, once this new season starts, a year and a half. And those are all perfectly reasonable concerns. But now, after last night, I think Odell is going to be the two. You see that kid out of Boston College they picked? is Mr. Zay Flowers. Barry. Ryan, or, uh, yeah, Barry, Ryan, and Mike were all talking about last night. He runs angry. He runs like he wants to, like he wants to hurt somebody on the field. Not literally, of course, but... He's, he's got that dog in him. He's perfectly suited for what Lamar Jackson brings to the table. So now you have Zay Flowers. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Mark Andrews, who's one of the best security blanket tight ends in all of football. You have the running game. You have the defense. Of course, you have the coaching. You have the greatest kicker of all time. I don't know. I kind of like Baltimore this season. In an offseason in which felt like, uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to, to put this together. Is Lamar going to be there? Which I said, when they signed Odell, I'm like, okay, this is a big, big indicator that Lamar's probably coming back. There's no way they're signing Odell Beckham Jr., especially to a one-year deal, paying him $15 million, which I don't think any team was willing to give up uh, for Odell Beckham Jr. There's no way Lamar wasn't, wasn't coming back. This is a team to contend, contend this year and for years to come because of, once again, it's an organization that, understood, and by the way, compromised. Isn't that a great word these days? A lot of our politicians could learn it. Compromise. They gave Lamar Jackson the richest contract in NFL history, and Lamar did not get a fully guaranteed deal. Compromise. And what I think is beautiful about this for Lamar Jackson, did he get everything he wanted? He did not. Hence the word compromise. But he bet on himself. And he did not move an inch in terms of everybody saying he need to hire an agent. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have hired an agent. But one thing I respect about him, he stuck to his guns. He stuck to the people closest to him. And now he's got the, con- got the richest contract in the history of professional football. Well done, Lamar. 
Well done, Ravens. This team can contend for a Super Bowl, not just in 2023, but for the rest of Lamar's contract as it stands today. I love where the Ravens are at, especially what they did in the draft. Them taking Zay Flowers was a message to Lamar. Okay, you're in here for the long haul. Let's finally get you a weapon, a legit outside weapon. Because Odell, and listen, I loved, I love Odell. I defended him like crazy when everybody was was bagging on him in Cleveland, saying it was his fault. Baker was struggling, and we found out, you know, it, it was more on the more on the quarterback than the receiver. As Odell helped the Rams win a Super Bowl, and Baker Mayfield is now on his fourth team in in three years. But he's a two. Part of the reason he was so successful in. Uh, in Los Angeles was because Cooper Cup had probably the greatest season of any receiver ever. Freed up some space. Odell wasn't facing double teams. Now he won't see double teams. If Zay Flowers is what I think he can be, oh, that is a Ravens offense that is going to be a problem. It's a Ravens team that's going to be a problem. Great defense, awesome special teams, and drastically improved offense. Drastically. And you've got an organization, too, that is not afraid to push all their chips in the middle of the table. They'll make big big deals for you guys. Remember they, last year they traded for Roquan Smith to go with Patrick Queen? They're not they're they are not a team that's scared to take big swings. And hats off to them. The Ravens are back. Ravens flock. Let's fly. <laughs> As Justin Tucker said uh last year. There you go. But it's it's like I said, this is a situation. This is a situation where you feel good for both sides. Feel good for the Ravens because they've got their franchise quarterback for the next half decade, and you feel great for Lamar because, again, I'll show you my list. I think I've still got it here. Yeah, my top well, – that's NBA players. Okay, yeah, top 10 quarterbacks in 2023. Coming into this season, I got in this order, 1 through 10, Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Allen, Hurts, Jackson, Rogers, Prescott, Herbert, Carr. That's what I got. I've got Lamar tick above Aaron because I think in terms of recent production, again, I'm a big believer in what have you done for me lately. The Janet Jackson song, and Lamar's done more than Aaron Rodgers. There's no question about it. Last year, he was significantly better than Aaron Rodgers was, despite missing games due to injury. And I understand that's a concern for a lot of people. Well, you know, what's what's Lamar's status going to be this year in terms of is he going to be available? And that is, listen, the best ability is availability, as the old saying goes. That's a reasonable concern. But I think Lamar Jackson is going to be ready to go, and the Ravens, are back in Super Bowl contention. That AFC, man, I, I will tell you this, and I'll get to the Jets at the end of the show and Aaron Rodgers. I'm not that high at all right now on Buffalo. I liked them getting Dalton Kincaid last night. Possibly the best tight end of the draft uh, out of Utah. Adam to go with Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. Uh, I just worry about Josh Allen. Can he, re can he rebound off of, let's put it this way, his worst season as an elite quarterback. Josh Allen has been an elite quarterback since 2020. He actually finished second or third, I think, for MVP that year. Was awesome in 2021. Of course, we all remember that the playoff game against Mahomes, which was an all-time classic. And then last year, took a step back after he lost Brian Dable when he became the new head coach of the New York Giants. How does he rebound? By the way, Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator last year, and, and I like Leslie Frazier. I, I despised his, 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 uh, his game plan against the Bengals in the divisional round made no sense to me, but I think he's a good defensive coordinator. Nonetheless, they lost him. So a lot of turmoil right now in Buffalo. So I'm not as high in the bills as everybody else is, but Cincinnati, we know they'll be back. Kansas city. They're the champs. I'm 
all in, all in on Jacksonville this year. I'm thinking AFC Championship game for those guys as they continue to improve. Uh, by the way, took a left tackle last night to, to protect Trevor Lawrence. I love it. Uh, gosh, who else we got? Uh, Vegas with Jimmy, I don't think they'll... Uh, the Chargers offense will take a step back now that they got Killam Moore. Denver will be better with Sean Payton. They can't... They can't. Russell Wilson can't possibly be worse than he was last year. And the one thing we know about Sean Payton is he's one of those coaches where you know what a quarterback is when they're with him. Because he gets the abs... He squeezes every drop out of that orange. In this case, it's funny, the Broncos wear orange. In this case, Russell Wilson. I mean, he is a guy who we understand last year was awful with Nathaniel Hackett, who, as we found out, was equally an awful head coach. So I think Denver could be a fringe playoff team. We'll see about them. Miami, it's all about Tua. I don't, I've don't. i never bought into Tua after his rookie season, at least. I loved him out of the draft. I didn't like what I saw in his rookie year whatsoever or his second year, but it's all about Tua's health. If he's healthy, they're a playoff team. There's no question. Uh, Jets, we understand with Aaron Rodgers. Pittsburgh will be better. Uh, Cleveland could be better with, with Deshaun Watson. So that is going to be an interesting AFC. Tennessee is in rebuild mode. I just don't think they know it yet. Indianapolis, Houston got better last night. And let's, you know, I'm, I'm sort of alluding to the draft. I'm sort of, uh, you know, hinting around it. If I can pull it up here. Uh, yeah, the, the draft picks. So by the way, second round of the draft starts in about 40 minutes, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific time. Uh, I think it, it begins on ESPN or ESPN2, one of, one of the two. We got a doubleheader in the NBA tonight, two game sixes, which I'll talk about later. But NFL draft, obviously the, 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 the least shocking pick of the night, Bryce Young going uh, number one overall uh, to the Carolina Panthers. And then sort of to me, people are talking about C.J. Stroud for a while. Okay, it's C.J. going to Houston. I felt like for the longest time, I don't know if that's a, a sure thing because there were some reports about the whole the S2 test, which I remember talking to some people the other day about it. I'm sorry, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Evidently, Evidently, they liked C.J. Stroud enough to take him second overall. Think about a guy in Will Levis, who I'll talk about later on, who aced the S2 test. And yet here he sits day two, still available. Like, I don't I don't put a whole lot of stock in. Not to say it's irrelevant. What's the old saying? Um, uh, everything's something. Or the, not... I can't remember what the saying is. I think it's every everything's something and something's not. I don't know. I'm butchering it. But in terms of what we've seen in the draft, you got Houston taking CJ Stroud, uh, which I think is a solid pick by them. And then they make the big sort of splash move of the NFL draft. They trade up to three right if they just took CJ Stroud, who they hope will be their franchise quarterback, and take the guy who they hope will be sort of the face of their defense for the next decade in Will Anderson, who's certainly, in my view, the best pass rusher uh, in this draft. And then you come down, Anthony Richardson goes fourth to the Colts. The Seahawks to surprised me a little bit, taking uh, Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, who's the best or second best. I think he's the second best corner to Christian Gonzalez. I think the Patriots got a steal taking Christian Gonzalez with a 17th pick. Finally, a good first rounder, at least in my view, by Bill Belichick for the first time in a while. But Devin Witherspoon were like, what the heck are they doing? A corner? Like, okay. And I said immediately on the show last night, that's a Pete Carroll pick. But then what do they do? Pick 20, they take the best or second best receiver in the draft, Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. And it's like, oh, okay. So now their receiving unit is loaded. Their secondary just got a lot better. Like Seattle, Seattle's been acing the draft the last uh, couple of years. Uh, Arizona, 
traded with uh, Detroit to take Paris Johnson. So they hope that he can be their great, uh, their next great uh, tackle to protect Kyla Murray. Uh, the Raiders with a real head scratcher taking Tyree Wilson. I think I thought I think Christian Gonzalez was the obvious pick for the Raiders. Uh, that's a secondary that has been garbage over the last decade. Uh, certainly when when Derek Carr was there, and I can't imagine Jimmy Garoppolo uh, will, will. I mean, listen, he plays offense. Can't can only do so much about the defensive side. I understand they take a defensive end out of Texas Tech, and Tyree Wilson is very talented. But, again, I think Christian Gonzalez would have been the perfect fit for the Vegas Raiders. Atlanta takes B. John Robinson, which surprised some. My thing was, look, if they are going to make sure, and I'll get to Dallas a little later with this, Atlanta is going to make 100,000% certain, is Desmond Ritter the guy? Because they're going to go to Desmond Ritter and say, okay, pro football focus has Atlanta and I didn't know this until I was listening to a podcast yesterday. And I was like, really? And I checked, and it's true. Pro Football Focus has the Atlanta Falcons as a top five offensive line in football. Okay, so Desmond Ritter's protected. He's also got Drake London, who you guys know I really liked out of last year, drafted a USC, and really produced for them. They got Kyle Pitts, who's maybe the greatest tight end prospect we've ever seen. There's a reason he was taken fourth overall in 2021. You get your your your, your tight end in Kyle Pitts, and now you get B. John Robinson, who's the best running back in best running back prospect many say since Zeke. So running game, offensive line, big tight end, number one receiver. Desmond, what do you got? Because Atlanta, in all likelihood, isn't going to be a playoff team next year. Although, listen, in the NFC and certainly in the NFC South, I don't discount anything. It is wide open in that conference. We know Philadelphia, San Francisco are the class of the NFC, and it's a free-for-all from there. So it would not shock me if Atlanta were to, to sneak into the playoffs somehow as a wildcard team, or dare I say more likely because the division is so bad, as the division champs. But if they do lose a lot of games, it needs to be shootouts. It's got to be 31-28 games. It's got to be, uh, you know, 35-31 to 31 games, something like that. It cannot be a situation where you're getting blown out because their defense isn't going to be good this year. I, I I know they added Calais Campbell. Their defense has still got many, many holes to fill, uh, particularly in the back end. Uh, they've got to address it uh, in, in this draft and, and moving forward and maybe in the trade market potentially uh, as the season progresses. But Atlanta's got to, got to you know, lose shootouts if they do lose games. they got to make sure Desmond Ritter is or isn't the guy, and I respect them taking B. John Robinson. And then the ninth pick came around. And Philadelphia swap picks with the Chicago Bears. Who, by the way, shout out to the Chicago Bears taking Darnell Wright. I called it a week in advance. Respect to my man out of the University of Tennessee. He's going to be their franchise left tackle for the next decade. Hats off to Darnell, Wash, or to, to, to Darnell Wright, who's going to be the best uh, player uh, in this draft at his position. But to number nine, the Philadelphia Eagles. A team that lost the Super Bowl on a walk-off field goal. That close. Tied the game with four minutes left. And they lost. Think about this. Philadelphia went 14-3, where the number one seed in the NFC smoked their first two playoff opponents, albeit they faced a limited quarterback in the divisional round and literally no quarterback in the NFC championship game after Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson went down. They were putting Christian McCaffrey back at quarterback in the Wildcat formation. But nevertheless, Philadelphia validated all of their success in the Super Bowl. They took Kansas City to the wire, led by double digits to the half. 
and they lost the Super Bowl because the greatest football player on planet Earth led Kansas City to victory. There's no shame in that whatsoever. Two and a half months later, the Eagles got the best player in the draft. Jalen Carter out of the University of Georgia. Yeah. And Jalen Carter, and this is why I think this is going to be, it's not going to be a home run. It's going to be a grand slam. All four runs are scoring here because Philadelphia, think about their defense. Talk about the playmakers they have in the secondary. You got Darius Slay. You got um, Bradbury. Now they lost Gardner Johnson to the Lions, but they'll be they'll be fine. He could replace safeties in the draft. You got Hassan Reddick, who had double-digit sacks. Derek Barnett is coming back from injury. You got, uh, shoot, what's his name? Uh, you got the two other uh, 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 pass rushers. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, and those two are the key to me. You've got a guy in Jalen Carter who's coming into an organization. And what were the concerns for Jalen Carter? A guy who, once again, to me, top to bottom, is the best player in this draft. The only reason it fell to nine was pretty obvious, off-field concerns. We understand about the fatal car accident he was involved in. Uh, in the situation revolving around that. There's other issues circulating from his past at the University of Georgia, and that scared some teams off. And you understand that. He's walking into an organization that, A, is well-run. We understand Howie Roseman, who's maybe the best general manager in the sport. Jeffrey Lurie's one of the better owners in the sport. You've got a good guy in terms of managing players uh, and Nick Sirianni, and you've got a stacked roster. But what do you have? You have veteran presence. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed ourselves properly. But most supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, the cell. Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to support immune health, better sleep, sharper focus, and healthy aging. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code UPGRADE for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com. H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L and use code UPGRADE for 20% off. As good as there is in the NFL. Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. Again, do you think Jalen Carter is going to, for lack of a better term, act like an idiot around those guys? Two highly accomplished players over the, de- uh, you know, the past decade of their careers helping the Eagles win a Super Bowl in 2017 and helping them get to the Super Bowl last year. Now, Brandon Graham, I think, was a bigger part than Fletcher Cox. He's you know getting up there in age. We understand that. But you got two veterans, two guys. Uh, Cox plays the exact same position as Jalen Carter. You have his teammate at the University of Georgia they drafted. His name escapes me right now. Uh, uh, it's, 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 I'm, I've got it like in the back of my head. It's not coming to my mind right off the bat. But they, they drafted another interior lineman from uh, Georgia last year. And now you bring in Jalen Carter. Veteran presence. By the way, guess who he gets to face one-on-one at practice? 
Jason Kelsey, who signed a one-year deal to stay in Philadelphia, right? Veteran, been there, done that. Lane Johnson is still in Philadelphia. Been there, done that. Probably one of the greatest right tackles in the history of football. You got Jalen Hurts, who's as calm and steady of a leader as there is in all of football. That's where he gets to go to. If he would have went to a franchise like an Arizona, like a Houston, like a, and it, you know, maybe even, even an Atlanta, a Chicago, he's going to a stable franchise in Philadelphia with veteran presence at his position and otherwise everywhere. This to me, not to mention the fact that Philadelphia, much later on in the draft with the freaking 30th pick, took Jalen Carter's teammate, Nolan Smith, out of Georgia, who's a 3-4 guy, pass rusher. Many couldn't believe he slid to number 30. As my man Parnell said last night, we probably need to start calling Philadelphia uh, the Philadelphia Bulldogs because they've taken four players. Uh, 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 Jordan Davis was his name, by the way. Jordan Davis was the guy Philly took in the first round last year. They took N'Kobe Dean, who I, I I went out in the limbs last year and said he'd be the defense rookie of the year. He was not. I still think he's really, really good. Uh, and then they take two players in the first round this year out of Georgia, Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter. I think it's safe to say, I'm not going out on a limb and saying this, that Georgia was by a pretty steady margin the best defense in college football the last two years. Yeah, Philadelphia got just got four of their players in the last two drafts. On a defense that was already stacked. Really, Philadelphia's only weakness as a defense was what? Stopping the run. Which I, I, I talked about from the middle of their season on. I remember they beat the Houston Texans on a Thursday night game to stay undefeated. I remember the next day on the show, I said, man, this could get Philadelphia beat in the long run. They can't stop the run. And sure enough, in Super Bowl 57 against Kansas City, a team who's not exactly, and certainly against a coach in Andy Reid, who's not exactly known for running the ball down your throat outside of when he had Shady McCoy in Philadelphia, Isaiah Pacheco runs wild on the Philadelphia Eagles. You think, you think adding Jalen Carter won't help that just a little bit? I think it will. You can, you can argue Houston won the draft. Getting their quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Getting their pass rusher, Will Anderson. Getting, two to me, two of the three or four most important positions in all of professional football. But you've already got an organization who is ready-made, who is well-run, who just went to the Super Bowl, for crying out loud, and got better. As much as it pains me to say this as a former Dallas Cowboys fan and somebody who does not appreciate the city of Philadelphia all that much, <laughs> hats off to the Philadelphia Eagles. We talk about teams losing the Super Bowl not being as good the next year. Eagles fans, I don't think you have to worry about that. You got the, your quarterback locked in long-term, loaded receiving core, great running game. You've got great offensive line and a fantastic defense that just got a heck of a lot better. In this year's draft. When in doubt, draft a defensive player from the Georgia. They usually work out. So, I can't I, I, listen, I was as stunned as everybody else. When Philadelphia traded up over Chicago to get that uh, number nine pick, it was like, oh, they're, they're going to... These, these guys just lost the Super Bowl on a walk-off field goal. And they're going to get the best player in the draft. Like, the, it's literally the opposite of how the draft is supposed to work, right? We, we think about uh, sort of the hierarchy of NFL teams, it, how the NFL tries to, to, to balance it out, right? Best team gets the last pick, and worst team gets the first pick. It's how it works. But through all these trades, 
Philadelphia made it happen. By the way, there were some other interesting picks, and I'll get to the Cowboys, uh, and I'll get to Will Levis as well later in the show. Who else went? So 10th uh, overall, you had, uh, yeah, my man Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. I called this thing in advance. I said he was going to the Chicago Bears to protect Justin Fields, and I think it's a fantastic pick. Best left tackle in the draft easily. Uh, Skaronsky went to the Tennessee Titans. Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. A solid pick for them. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very Mike Vrabel-type pick. Jameer Gibbs, that was a surprise to a lot of people that he went as high as he did. I didn't have an issue with it because Detroit had two first-round picks. And listen, if you want a guy, if you think he fits, you take him. And I, I remember I talked to Ryan on this show, Ryan Flowers, the host of Clutch Sports Talk, who was, as Mike Guido says last night, said last night, basically the face of our NFL draft coverage. And I remember talking to Ryan about Jameer Gibbs a few weeks ago on this show, talking about, man, this dude, and we both agreed, he has Alvin Kamara written all over him. His twitchiness, his, his shift. Now, one thing I'll say he has over Kamara, I think he's way faster. He's got home run speed. If he, listen, if he gets the second level of that defense, you can kiss him goodbye. He's gone. And so the great pick for Detroit, they strengthened the strength. Their offense was one of the best in the league last year. As you, If you guys watched the draft show last night, you heard me say at the beginning, I feel like if Detroit puts together a good draft, kind of like the Seahawks and the Jets did last year, and like the heck like the Seahawks are doing this year, man, they could be contenders in that NFC. As crazy as the NFC is, as all over the place as it is, I'm dead serious when I say, who's to say the Detroit Lions could not be in the NFC Championship game? I'm dead serious. The way Jared Goff played last year, and I've never been a big Goff guy, but I can't argue with the results. He was tremendous last year. It's the defense that they need to fix, and they've been taking the steps to uh, to address that. Uh, but yeah, Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> well, <laughs> Lucas Van Ness to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, that was a head scratcher. Defensive end out of out of Iowa. My sister, as some of you may know, is a Packers fan. She was beside herself texting me during the draft show, and I'm like, "Listen, I, listen, it's what they do. They don't draft. They don't draft wide receivers the first round. It's part of the reason Aaron Rodgers wanted out. And you've got a young quarterback in Jordan Love, <laughs> and you take a defensive end. You don't even know Jordan Love's good yet, and you take a defensive end when you've got." All the receivers, every single receiver in this draft still on the board. Crazy. Uh, Broderick Jones to these Pittsburgh Steelers. Great pick by them. Uh, I could make a strong case that their offensive line is the weakness of their team. They had to address it. Uh, I, I was a little scared that Mike Tomlin might, might fall into the trap of going defense again. But no, we're going to protect our franchise quarterback and Kenny Pickett. We'll see what he's got. We got a lot of good pieces in the offensive side of the ball. But it doesn't matter what we have if Kenny Pickett's on his butt half the time. We're going to make sure that's not the case. We're getting Broderick Jones uh, out of Georgia. Uh, let's see. Uh, Will McDonald, which if you did not see Alfred Parsar Jr., the host of the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast, if you did not see his reaction to the to the Will McDonald pick uh, out of Iowa State, it was great. It was great. And shout out to the, the, to the Make-A-Wish kid that announced the pick for sure, um, what he's had to overcome. But Alfred was beside him. It's on social media now. If you haven't seen it on the Grid's uh, Instagram uh, page, you got to check it out. Alfred's reaction to the Will McDonald pick to the New York Jets. He was just, I mean, crushed. He was crushed. It was beautiful. I wish I had the clip on the show today to show you guys because it was it was priceless. Emmanuel Forbes, who I really like out of Mississippi State, went to Washington. Uh, the Patriots, again, to me, one of the steals of the draft, taking Christian Gonzalez. You guys know I've talked about him before. I love him, his physicality. 
Now, again, you you worry about this certain degree in terms of penalties, but is there a much better defensive coach he could go to than Bill Belichick? I mean, he's, again, that's a guy you're going to get the best out of in New England, in Foxborough. So love the pick by the Patriots and by Bill Belichick, who finally, it seems, hits, hit, hit on a first-round pick. Uh, once again, let's see. Uh, Jack Campbell to the Detroit Lions. Again, dressing the defensive side of the ball. Again, a little high for him as an inside linebacker, but, you know, I'm fine with it. Uh, Kalijah Cansey out of Pittsburgh went to Tampa Bay. Need, listen, that is a division that's got a lot of good running games. So you've got to address it. you got to, you know, stop the run. So good for Tampa Bay. To me, they're going to wait to draft a quarterback next year, whether it be Caleb Williams or Drake May. Baker Mayfield is just going to be a, a, a bridge guy. Uh, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. We, we had four straight wide receivers taken uh, in this year's draft. And Jigba went to Seattle, which was a fantastic pick on their part. Now you've got a trio of uh, JSN, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. That is going to be a handful for defenses around the NFL. And Seattle, man, Seattle just keeps getting better. Man, John Snyder, Pete Carroll, y'all hitting it out of the park right now again. Quentin Johnson, who to me is the best receiver in this year's draft, went to the Chargers. He gets one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL in Justin Herbert. A lot of good offensive pieces that uh, that the Chargers have, so love that pick uh, by, by them. He, he's, he Listen, you can argue. I know Ryan was talking about last night. I know uh, other people on our draft show were saying, hey, he's a big guy that doesn't really play big. Yeah, but you know what he can do? lie. He, he can run right past your DBs depending on whatever coverage that you're in and make big time plays. So I love that love that pick by the by the LA Chargers. Ravens, I love this pick even more because man, do they desperately need it. Zay Flowers uh, out of Boston College, wide receiver I talked about with the Lamar segment. You get Lamar and you give him Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr. And, uh, and Mark Andrews. So absolutely love this pick by the Ravens. Uh, 20, uh, 23rd, you had Jordan Addison. So that's the last receiver. Again, we had four straight receivers taken this year's draft. Vikings add to his strength. You pair him with Justin Jefferson. You got TJ Hawkinson. Dalvin Cook obviously running the football. So, hey, Kirk's got to produce. Kirk did in the regular season last year. Did not in the postseason, which I don't think shocked a, a ton of people. Uh, New York Giants, who are probably thinking, you got to be kidding me. We have the worst wide receiving unit of any of the playoff teams last year. <laughs> We're five picks away, and in the next, the first four picks before of us, all the best receivers go off the board. They're thinking, you got to be kidding me. And so they take a corner. Deontay Banks helps their defense. Uh, Bills take Dalton Kincaid, trade up over the Jacksonville Jaguars to make that pick. Uh, so I like that by them. Hang on. And then we move to number 26. The Dallas Cowboys. Full transparency here. So I announced on my show three months ago. I can't believe it's been that long ago, but I did. That I had sold my Dallas Cowboys fandom. I'd, you know, turned in my card, my Cowboys fandom card, in October of 2020. When Dak Prescott broke his ankle, you guys know I love Dak. I was a Dak guy before he was a cowboy. That's why I'm so loyal to him. Wears hat in the show a lot. And when he went down with the ankle injury with no long-term deal, despite what he'd accomplished in the first four years. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Dallas, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. But then Dak signs a long-term deal. I'm like, okay, I guess I, I can't leave my guy Dak. And so I hung in there, supportive for the next two seasons. And then after this past season, I'm like, I, I, I can't do it anymore. Like Jerry Jones sees, sees him te- seems intent on making Dak Prescott's job as hard as humanly possible. And so I'm, I'm out. Was there, have there rather, has there at times been just a teeny weeny bit of buyer's remorse or seller's remorse rather? Sure. It's my guy. Again, I was a Dak fan and I feel maybe a little guilty, especially after you won Walter Payton man of the year. Just a month, a couple weeks after I made this proclamation. And then last night's draft happened with what happened in Philadelphia and more importantly, what happened in Fort Worth. And I was like, yeah, I made the right decision. I don't regret this even for a second. The Dallas Cowboys with the 26th overall pick took Mozzie Smith, who's a defensive tackle out of Michigan. Now, does Mozzie Smith fill a need in Dallas? No question. As many Cowboys fans have talked about, as our guys here at The Grid, the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast, I know my man Patrick Brown, host of the Chaotic Sports Podcast, was talking about this uh, in, in our Grid group chat earlier, and, and Mike Guido, who's, who's, who's more keen on the pick now than he was when the pick was made. Dallas was 22nd in the NFL in rush defense last year, and in a conference that's got a lot of good run games, in a division that's got a lot of good run games. Philadelphia can run the football as well as anybody in football. The Giants have Saquon, and the Commanders can run the ball to a certain degree. you got to stop it. And that really, in some ways, defensively, that's where it really got them against San Francisco. Brock Purdy made a couple throws, but the running game defensively is what hurt Dallas. Does it fill a need? Absolutely. Could Mozzie Smith be a really, really good football player? No question. But the Dallas Cowboys once again expose themselves as being behind the times. Talked about the Ravens in 2023 and why they needed to move on from Greg Roman and did. And why they needed to sign Lamar Jackson, and they did. You cannot win in the NFL long-term without a franchise quarterback. You can't. Not in this, not in today's NFL. To me, there are two quarterbacks on planet Earth who... It does not matter what you surround them with. Just give them competence. Give them like one great player offensively and then just competent players after that. And they'll be just fine. They can take you as far as you want to go. Their names are Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. The list ends there. Josh Allen, you worry about turnovers. Lamar Jackson, you worry about health. And he's not quite the passer you wanted to be in terms, at least when you compare him to the other best quarterbacks of the league. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is ascending into that category, but he only finished year two. We're not quite there yet with him. Aaron Rodgers, well, we saw him with a eh wide receiving core last year. Didn't look so great. Justin Herbert, so the blame goes as coach, I think, but Herbert had some stinkers last year. Jalen Hurts, while he was tremendous last year and deserves all the credit in the world for success, it can't be ignored. He had one of the better offensive personnel, uh, one of the better offensive personnel around him. Dak Prescott last year, and I lamented this, and this is why from the get-go, from before last season started, and I was consistent, 
all the way through till season's end, Dallas was not a Super Bowl contender. Was their defense good? Oh, it was fantastic towards the end of the year. You got one of the best defensive players in football, Micah Parsons. Trayvon Diggs came along big time as a pure cover corner as opposed to just a guy who's just going to, you know, make plays with the football. It's like he's kind of a, I, I, I called him the gambler. I was singing Kenny Rogers half the time on this show, right? Plenty of playmakers the defense side of the ball. Demarcus Lawrence had a good year. Yeah, it's Stephon Gilmore. But Dallas Cowboys receiving core last year consisted of C.D. Lamb, who I have my doubts on. He proved me wrong. C.D. Lamb as the guy, as the number one receiver with no clear number two, was outstanding. Had well over 1,000 yards receiving. Was the go-to guy. I mean, you remember the San Francisco playoff game? Dak wouldn't stop throwing the ball to number 88. Why? Nobody else could get open. T.Y. did in one play, and Dak missed the throw. Put all the blame on Dak for that one. But the rest of the Cowboys receiving court consisted of Michael Gallup, who was a shell of himself, coming off an ACL. We'll give him a little bit of a little bit of leeway there. Their number three receiver. And I hate that CJ Stroud is gonna have to deal with this guy. It was uh, Noah Brown, who was at one point last year 108th in the NFL in separation, yards of separation. That was Dak's number three receiver. The year before that, actually, C.D. Lamb was his number three receiver. It shows you how things could change in just a year. Dalton Schultz was his tight end. Can you tell me how Dalton, how productive Dalton Schultz has been in the NFL minus Dak Prescott? You can go check the numbers. I already have. Not great. You brought in T.Y. Hilton midseason, who contributed for you, made a huge catch against the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 16. But why do you think T.Y. Hilton was available in December? Why do you think nine months after free agency started, T.Y. Hilton was still in the market? 31 other teams had a chance to sign him and passed. Dallas was desperate. They had to sign him. That was what Dak was working with. And what's your response? You trade for Brandon Cooks, who's a, God bless him, knock on wood for him, a concussion waiting to happen. And in the first round of the draft, in which you have a position of need, tight end. Listen, I like Jake Ferguson. He's fine. I don't think he's going to be the guy long-term in Dallas as the number one tight end. Oh, but you have plenty of guys still available. Darnell Washington. You got a kid from Oregon State who's really talented. Michael Mayer from Notre Dame who the, the ESPN was comparing to Jason Witten. <clears throat> and you go with an interior defensive lineman. In an NFL, that's all about the quarterback position. Other teams recognize this. The Philadelphia Eagles certainly recognize this because they're one of the better-run organizations in the league. And let's be honest, Dallas fans, because I used to be one. Let's just kind of come to Jesus moment right now. Jeffrey Lurie as an owner and Howie Roseman as a general manager run laps around Jerry Jones as both. I don't think anybody in Dallas, any reasonable person in Dallas or Cowboys fan anywhere would disagree with that statement. Philadelphia last year. Year two of Jalen Hurts. We're like, okay, we like some things we saw there. We got to the playoffs. You see some improvement. But we're, we're, just, we're still not quite sure. So here's what we're going to do. 
got Devontae Smith, who we drafted the year prior. We are going to go out and get A.J. Brown, who's one of the better receivers, top 10 receivers in the NFL from the Tennessee Titans. We are going to go load up our defense and build the offense around Jalen Hurts. Let's see what you got, kid. Well, said kid took them to the Super Bowl. To a lesser degree, think about the Miami Dolphins. Remember, Brian Flores was the problem with the, the you know, in, in, in Miami. Then Tua was. I'm like, okay, vehemently disagree, but let's see what you do. Well, they hire Mike McDaniel, who has proven to be a pretty good coach. Comes from the Kyle Shanahan system. Look good. I mean, he, he was out here competing in playoff games with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Seventh round rookie. That's that's pretty good coaching, if I do say so myself. You've got Jalen Waddell, who you drafted to put around Tua. You got Mike Gusecki at the time, who you had around Tua. No, we are going to go out. We're going to go get Cedric Wilson to be his number three, and then we're going to go make the splash move. We're going to go get Tyreek Hill, who's a top five receiver in all football. Oh, what do you know? Tua was better. Oh, what do you know? Jalen Jalen Hurts was better. Heck, Atlanta. I, I, I'm I like 90% certain Desmond Ritter's a backup. Could be wrong. Leading, still leaving at the 10%. But from what I saw last year, Desmond Ritter definitely looks like a backup quarterback. But Atlanta's like, let's make sure he is or he isn't. Took Kyle Pitts in 2020. And this is before Desmond Ritter got there. But same draft as Desmond Ritter. Drafted Drake London. This year, drafted B. John Robinson. They put together a top five offensive line in football. Let's see what you got, Desmond. And only time will tell with him. Cincinnati Bengals. Draft Jamar Chase. They, had, they drafted T. Higgins the same year they drafted Joe Burrow. They added Hayden Hurst last year. They in a, The offensive line was garbage the year they got to the Super Bowl. What did they do? Rebuilt it. Oh, what do you know? Joe Burrow was uh, amazing. Now, again, I think Joe Burrow is one of those guys that it really doesn't matter what you put around him. It's just he can, he can, get, the, he can get you there. Why does Dak Prescott not get that same benefit of the doubt in Dallas? Honestly, the more and more I've thought about it, I don't necessarily think it's a Dak thing. I don't think it's personal between Jerry and Dak. I don't. Even after the contract negotiation thing, I just think simply put, Jerry Jones does not know how to run and operate a football team in 2023. Now, that's not exactly news to me or to anybody who's been watching closely. But for the Cowboys, a team that I was, I talked about in the show yesterday, kind of liked Dallas coming into this year. Kind of like the approach they were taking this offseason. What they do, they went with the same. Our biggest need, technically speaking, is defensive line. Well, they filled it. How much better did their offense get? How much did they help the most important player in their team, Rain Dakota Prescott? Dallas will make the playoffs next year because they've got a top 10 quarterback. They certainly have many talented players in their roster. Offensive line's good. Well, let's be honest. They're kind of the opposite of a team like the New York Giants. Where, you know, the Giants, they got a hard ceiling with Daniel Jones at quarterback. The Cowboys could have a, a very high ceiling. The ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan said, right? Way up there. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If they built around Dak, see, make 100% certain Dak is or isn't the guy. Make that decision. As I said after the year was over, I said, okay, a lot of Cowboys fans are blaming Dak. A lot of Cowboys fans are blaming Jerry Jones. Let's see. Load up the offense. Give Dak all the playmakers you know, he, he, he desires, and let's see. If it's the same thing the, year, the, the following year, okay, then it's on Dak. If Dak's the issue. We got to replace the quarterback. But no, they run the same old team out there. They'll win 10, 11 games. They'll, we'll have the same old conversations. Are the Cowboys Super Bowl contenders? They'll go on a three-game winning streak against bad teams. Ooh, watch out for Dallas. You don't need to watch out for Dallas. Come on. They could steal a playoff game, maybe, depending on who they get. But right now, the Philadelphia Eagles are running laps around the Cowboys right now because Jerry Jones does not know how to build a Super Bowl contending team in 2023. He did in 1993 but that was a different time. Today's NFL, frankly put, is not suited for Gerald Wayne Jones. It's as simple as that. This team will not sniff contention this year. It will simply sniff irrelevance. Again, 27th year in a row. 28th year in a row, actually, that that will be the case. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get what Dallas was hoping to accomplish with that draft pick. Cool, you stopped the run. I mean, you held San Francisco to 19 points last year. Your defense was fine. Defense was just fine. Address that Address that in the third round. Okay, let's see what you got there. There's plenty of talent in this draft. Had a potential to take the second coming of Jason Witten, potentially, and you passed. Why am I not surprised? That's why I'm saying. My, my final decision is coming out of three teams. The Steelers, the Niners, and whoever Hendon Hooker gets drafted by. Now, if Hendon gets drafted by like a Washington or somebody, I can't do that. No, Dan Snyder's gone. Can't do Washington. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Sorry, Parnell. Sorry to Commanders fans out there. Can't do it. But uh, it is going to be fascinating. Switching to, I think it's safe to say the story of the first round, and that's Will Levis not getting picked up. So I did not do a mock draft, but I read a lot of mock drafts. Uh, I sort of like f- certain picks had mocked in my head. Certainly I did with the quarterbacks. And I thought Will Levis, the Indianapolis Colts, made all the sense in the world. But Colts chose Anthony Richardson, okay? You guys know I'm not as high on Anthony, but I will say one thing about the kid. As humble as there is. As hardworking as there is. So as as many doubts as I have about his ability to throw the football accurately on a consistent level, this is the type of dude that is going to work his tail off to try and correct that. So we only time will tell with him. And I wish him, I don't, listen, I know he's a Florida quarterback and I'm a Tennessee fan, but I wish the kid the absolute best because I love the way he approaches the game. I do not love the way Will Levis approaches the game. We took, we can talk about some of the, the weird, you know, uh, pictures in the bathroom, right? Doing the you know, flexing and, you know, shirtless uh, photos. I don't like, I don't love that for a quarterback, but that to me isn't the thing that sticks out in this draft. 
in terms of him falling completely out of the first round. Will Levis feels like one of those prospects that draft analysts, and I'm not taking a shot at anybody here, I, I promise I'm not, where draft analysts looked at him a lot higher than NFL scouts did. I've always been skeptical about Will Levis. Now, he's a big, strong athlete, uh, was highly, highly productive at Kentucky, given the talent that was around him in the conference that he was in, the SEC, was very, very good. But there's one quality about Will Levis that I would deem special that I don't think in today's NFL you necessarily have to have to be elite. Matter of fact, you really don't have it to have to have it to be elite if you're great at other things. And that is a big, strong, massive arm. Will Levis very well might have the biggest arm in this year's draft. Richardson's got a good arm. Stroud's got a big arm. Will Levis probably is the biggest arm in this draft. But you know, among elite quarterbacks who doesn't have a blow-your-socks-off arm, Joe Burrow. Jalen Hurts, at this stage in his career, at this stage in his career, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, all either elite elite like Joe Burrow or still highly productive quarterbacks. None of them have massive arms. Now, Patrick Mahomes has a massive arm. Trevor Lawrence has a massive arm. Josh Allen can throw it from, from Buffalo to New York to where I'm sitting here in Tennessee. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a prerequisite of what you need to be an elite quarterback in this league. There's been plenty of guys who've been total busts in this draft who've had massive arms. Think about Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell won the bigger arms of any prospect ever. He was awful. His studying habits were bad, as we know about the blank tapes uh, situation when he was with the, the Oakland Raiders. Leadership was off, you know, Accuracy wasn't great. Will Levis's specialty is his arm. But intangibles, eh. Accuracy, eh. Pocket awareness is bad. It's bad in the pocket. You, you, you watch Will Levis's tape. He, he gets gun shy real quick. On the other hand, the guy out of the University of Tennessee, Hinden Hooker, total opposite. Does he have an arm even near Will Levis? No, he does not. But is he way more accurate? Oh, you better believe it. And I'm hearing a lot of folks. I was watching draft coverage. Again, the second round of the draft starts in a matter of minutes. But I saw a draft. Uh, I've watched all the draft shows and people talking about, well, Tennessee's offense, Josh Heupel, uh, who's the head coach there, Tennessee's offense is scaring people from drafting Hendon Hooker. Essentially saying it's, it's a college design. It's very different from anything that he'll see in the NFL. But what I would argue about Hendon Hooker is that in Josh Heupel's offense, he has to make split-second decisions. I mean, like, okay, it's it's one retreat. Okay. Like, it's got to be fast. If you watch any film in Tennessee, it's a split-second decision. Isn't that the NFL? Isn't that why some, I think, I did, I thought it was ridiculous because they're basing it off a, a, an S2 test, but isn't that why some were concerned about C.J. Stroud? Like, you've got to make those quick on-the-fly, uh, you know, snap decision, you know, uh, uh, making uh, adjustments. Hendon Hooker could do that. Will Levis, uh, pocket awareness, Will Levis, bad. Leadership, Hendon Hooker blows your socks off. Will Levis leaves a lot to be desired. So, 
Am I surprised that I'm sitting here today with Will Levis on day two still available? Maybe, but if you base it off of what NFL scouts have clearly told you by him continuing to slip further and further down in the draft, maybe I shouldn't be all that surprised at all. We'll see who takes him. Again, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we'll see what they do in terms of potentially trading uh, the first pick of the second round. Again, the second round starts uh, pretty much right now. Uh, we'll give you any updates that we can uh, in uh, the second round and moving forward. But this, to me, feels like NFL scouts, general managers, owners, coaches looked at Will Levis and said, is this the guy that we want to be the face of our franchise? Is this the guy we can trust to be the face of our franchise? You have doubts about that. Should be fascinating. So Pittsburgh's on the clock. Again, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm between Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and whoever Hendon Hooker gets drafted by. Those are my three teams left. I know Caroline was in there for a minute about teams I was going to you know, choose as, as, as my team uh, moving forward. The Chargers, the Rams, the two LA teams. I moved off the Chargers pretty quickly. Uh, they're, they're kind of a team known for, for blowing leads. Uh, I mean, they did just you know choke a... 2027 zip deficit to Jacksonville in a playoff game. Um, who else was on that list? Gosh, there was one. A uh, Seattle was on that list, and, and now I'm starting to have second thoughts. Like maybe I should have kept Seattle on the list. Uh, but that's, that's that's fine. Listen, they, they have a fantastic fan base over there, and Seattle is really rebuilding that thing quick. Uh, the Seahawks could be a problem this year with some of the draft picks they've made. So we'll see. Again, Pittsburgh's on the clock as we speak. The Cardinals are behind them, and then uh, uh, Detroit, Indianapolis, L.A. Rams. So that's going to be interesting. Okay, so last segment of the day is a guy that I have been pretty critical of, uh, is, and that, that's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, let me make sure I'm getting this uh, right. Hang on. I want to make sure I'm pulling the quote because I was, I was on draft coverage. Let's see. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, let me make Okay. So Aaron Rodgers was was doing a press conference uh, with the Jets. And uh, he was talking about, and by the way, I will say one thing about Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. That is the happiest I've ever seen him. Which, hey, good for him. Good. Listen, I want, I want everybody to be happy. But that's the happiest I've ever seen Aaron. We're, we're kind of used to the guy kind of kind of sly, you know. I, I'm, I'm immunized. And, you know, we could kind of know that dude. From the McAfee interviews, from all the press conferences in Green Bay, that wasn't really him with the Jets. Now, could it develop back into that over time? Probably, but for this one press conference, he seemed optimistic. He said there was, you know, like some, like some, some color in his face. Like he seemed really like rejuvenated, excited uh, to be the quarterback of the Jets as, after the trade was finally finalized just a few days ago. And there was a number of questions asked of him, but there was one in particular that, that stuck out to me. And I'm glad somebody asked this. Which she, I, think it was, I think it was a female reporter, a female man, I can't remember who it was. But he was asked, are you going to be in the building for off-season uh, training activities, OTAs? Are you going to be working with wide receivers? And Aaron Rodgers said something along the lines of, again, I don't have the quote with me, but he had something, said something along the lines of, yeah, I'll be here tomorrow. This is Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. So there could there be some sort of hidden message in there? I never discount that with him. But if that's not the case, 
my outlook on Aaron to the Jets is completely different. Part of the reason I said the Jets should have pursued Derek Carr or Lamar Jackson is because of the fact that both were younger. Lamar is, listen, Lamar long-term is going to cost more than Aaron, but short-term, Aaron's going to make a heck of a lot more money than Lamar Jackson is. He's due, I I know Adam on the the draft show last night was talking about Aaron Rodgers is due $60 million this year and $100 million next year if he plays at age, what would it be, 40, 41 years old? The rest of his contract. So all of that comes into play. And not to mention Carr and Lamar Jackson, at least coming in, I thought, 10 times, 20 times more committed to football than Aaron Rodgers. It feels like every offseason the last few years. I remember a couple years ago, he's talking about, I'm 50-50 on retirement. This year, on the McAfee interview, uh, before he said before he went into the darkness, which is an interesting line, but he said before he went into the darkness, he was 90-10 on retirement. You're thinking, does this guy even like football anymore? Again, I always say, the second you mention the R word, you're close. You're almost there. Like, you got one foot in, one foot out. Once you mention the word retirement, you're on the break. So for Aaron to hear him say, and again, assuming there's no sort of weird hidden message, and again, we understand uh, the whole immunized situation a couple years back, but if he's not BSing, he's he's, he's, he's telling it like like it's going to be, he's going to be the building with all those young receivers with his teammates, getting to know them. He talked about he can't wait to get to know everybody with the Jets. I love it. I love what I'm seeing from Aaron Rodgers. And listen, I put up the stat, and I'll put it up again, because listen, simply put, this is what happened last year. Nineteenth Aaron Rodgers last year was 19th in pass yards a game, 26th in picks, and this is a guy who was like terrified to throw interceptions, 16th in passer rating, 26th in QBR, and did not have a single 300-yard passing game, dead last in the NFL, and hasn't had a 300-yard passing game since 2021 in week 14. It's, it's been a minute. I think those numbers are going to creep back up. Now, do I expect MVP Aaron Rodgers? I do not. I don't think he's going to go from worst year of his career all the way shoot back up to being one of the best, to being in the MVP discussion. Although, considering how bad the Jets have been over the last little over a decade, getting them to the playoffs and not just getting the playoffs, having a successful season, winning, dare I say, 11, 12 games, well, you're going to hear his name in that MVP discussion, and, and frankly, rightfully so, considering where the Jets have been for a very, very long time. But if you are Aaron Rodgers, if you're the Jets, if you're the Jets, really, this is a great message to hear. This is like music to your ears. This is, did they know it was coming in? Did they know it was at, the, at the press conference? If you know that he is going to be there, be available, be all in on the, on, on the New York Jets and trying to win a championship this season, that's great. Because the reality is, the last few years, the Packers could not exactly say that. That's just what happened. Ayahuasca and disappearing from the team, requesting a trade. Like, that's that's kind of been his MO. But, there you go. It's, 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 it's could be really interesting just because of the fact that you've got a, you've got a lot of, a, a lot of teams, again, in that AFC with really good quarterback play. We'll see how it all pans out. Super quickly before we get out of here for today and for the weekend, uh, super fast before I get to that last last thing. Uh, again, if you did not see the Grid 2023 NFL Draft live reaction show last night, 
Uh, definitely tune in, or not tune in, but check it out uh, on the Grid's YouTube channel. That's GRYD, the Grid Network. Or you can watch on Twitter. It is on our Twitter account as well. We streamed it there. Definitely check it out. You know, see what our reaction was to each and every pick. Incredible insight from all involved. Again, Ryan Flowers, Mike Guido, uh, uh, Barry Grant Jr. Uh, we had Adam. We had Parnell. We had Alfred. Uh, we had Devin early in the show. So hats off to everybody who was a part of it and who was involved. Uh, very, very excited to uh, to continue to build this network with uh, some very, very talented and incredible human beings and creators for that matter. Quickly, before we get out of here, we have two playoff games tonight in the NBA. Two, actually the last two, game sixes. Because tomorrow night, actually, the second round begins. And on second thought, I probably should have done my second round predictions. I'll, I may do like a short video tomorrow doing my second round predictions uh, in advance because by that point, if the Lakers and Warriors win tonight, then the second round will be set. But you got Suns Nuggets tomorrow, game one in Denver. And then you've got Heat Knicks game one, uh, at the matinee game in Madison Square Garden at 1, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern on ABC. But as far as these two games, in less than an hour, my defending NBA champion at Golden State Warriors will tip off at home at the Chase Center where they are darn near invincible against the Sacramento Kings and lead this series three games to two. Now, Golden State in this game is a seven and a half point favorite. It feels perfectly reasonable. Here's what I'm thinking. Steph's going to give you 30. Role players are going to step up. Draymond, while he's not going to give you 21, I don't think. Like he did in game five, he's going to dominate the game in many different ways. He's going to continue to shut DeMontis Sabonis down and out of this series. Andrew Wiggins, two-way Wiggs, going to give you somewhere between 15 and 19 points in great defense. Kevon Looney, I expect 15 boards from him. <sighs> but you know where I'm getting at. I want to reiterate the fact that tonight is the sixth game of a best-of-seven series in a game that features one of those two teams being the Golden State Warriors. And the Golden State Warriors have a player. He's a shooting guard, and he wears number 11, and he, does, he has his 12th season in the NBA out of Washington State University by the name of Clay Thompson. And Clay Thompson will be participating and playing in this Game 6 tonight. Game six, Clay, ladies and gentlemen, it is a real, real, real thing. 2016 against Oklahoma City broke the playoff record for threes made in a game at the time before Dane broke it five years later. Down three games to two, scored 41, led the Warriors to victory. They ended up winning that series. Down three games to two, a couple years later against the Houston Rockets, Clay Thompson dropped 30 plus in game six. Year after that, against Houston again, with the Warriors up three games to two against Houston. Klay Thompson dropped 30. In game six, 2019 against the Toronto Raptors in a game which would be the last of Klay Thompson's NBA career for another two and a half years because of terrible, terrible injuries, including one suffered in this game. Klay, before the third quarter even ended when he got hurt, had 30. And his next game six played after that against the Memphis Grizzlies last year. What did Klay Thompson do? You guessed it. He dropped 30. 
So is it crazy of me? Is it outlandish? It is, is it out of bounds for me to predict that Klay Thompson's going to go for 35 tonight and lead the Warriors in scoring? Because I think that's exactly what's going to happen. 35 from Klay Thompson. Tonight, in Game 6, Game 6, Clay will lead the Golden State Warriors in scoring, and he will lead the Golden State Warriors to a Game 6 victory, and we will advance to the second round, as I said we would. Down 2-0, I came on the show, said we're winning out. Golden State wins out, and Clay's going to lead us to just that tonight with his splash brother, Steph. He'll pour in 30, but it's going to be 35 for the man himself, Clay Thompson. As for Grizzlies-Lakers, LeBron was bad in game five. Like, he was really bad. Scored 15 points and would, looked absolutely shot. Anthony Davis, on the other hand, was tremendous. Gave you 30-plus, continued his great uh, defense, double-double, the whole bit. But Memphis won the game convincingly. They went in a huge run at the end of the third quarter. Desmond Bain was great. John Morant made some big-time plays. We know what all the uh, all the guys uh, in Memphis bring to the table. But the game is going to be played in Los Angeles tonight at the Crypto.com Arena. Sure, there will be plenty of celebrities sitting courtside. And the old saying in the playoff goes, role players are significantly better at home than they are on the road. That, of course, bodes well for the Lakers and not for the Grizzlies. Now, Memphis is deep. That's probably the biggest strength of their team is their depth. But... It all is going to come out of Anthony Davis. Because I know what I'm getting for LeBron. He had a bad game five. He'll respond. He's, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. Year 20, he's still, I think, a top five player currently in the NBA. He was gassed from that game four performance in game five. That's not to take any blame off LeBron because he did not play well. And if LeBron gives them anything, they might have a shot to close that series out a couple nights ago. But nonetheless... Bron will show up. He'll give you 25. He'll give you good defense down the stretch because I do think this will be a close game. It's all about coin flip Davis. I wish I had a coin around me right now. I do not. But if it's heads, AD's going to give you 27 to 30 and 15 rebounds and continue his great defense and the Lakers will win. If it's tails, on the other hand, it's going to be 12 points, bad field goal percentage single figures in terms of rebounds and the Lakers could be in some trouble. Lakers in this game are favored minus five. And it's a line that's gone up and down. It's gone from four and a half to five. I saw one even at five and a half as my saying as my favorite segment in all the world that I bring back from time to time, but it is primarily used in the football season. What a betting man. If I were a betting man, I will take the Lakers to cover barely by the skin of their teeth. By the skin of their teeth, the Los Angeles Lakers cover the spread. I think it'll be a situation where it's tight throughout, but they hit some free throws at the end. Dennis Schroeder, Austin Reeves, somebody hits free throws down the stretch. And the Lakers win this game. I'm going to go 109 to 103 Lakers tonight. They win game six. They advance to the second round, and we got a good old-fashioned Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, second round series with, to me, the greatest player ever, LeBron James, and the seventh greatest player ever, Steph Curry. They've had plenty of playoff battles going back to the days when it was Warriors-Cavs. That's going to be a good series. And by the way, a Lakers win tonight 
happens to mean that Memphis's season would be over. Now, I'm actually kind of rooting for Memphis because I think they're a way better matchup for my Warriors. And I'd like us to be the team that knocks Memphis out of the playoffs, not the Lakers. A little jealous there. But, assuming Memphis loses tonight, or if they lose on Sunday in a potential Game 7, there will be a special celebration to start Monday's show. You can guarantee it. Already got it set up on tap. I think you might want to tune in on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Grid Network's YouTube channel and the Carving It Up YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button because it helps the channel grow exponentially. By the way, real quick, Joey Porter out of Penn State just went uh, the first pick of the second round of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Love this for Pittsburgh. Strengthens their secondary that much more. I really like this for them. Uh, listen, Mike Tomlin's a defensive coach, so I think it works. Uh, so we'll see how the second and third round of the NFL draft unfolds over the coming hours. I've got Golden State. I didn't give a, war, a, a final score for the Warriors game. I'm going to go 112. No, 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 no. No, that's too, That's not enough. 121. Swap the last two digits there. 121 to 110. Warriors win 121-110 over the Kings. Makes a bit, big fourth quarter plays late. And game six, Clay drops 35. You heard it here first. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please be sure to call your local state senators and representatives to demand change for gun violence, which is a horrible problem that we have in this country and need to address as soon as humanly possible. And you can do your part by doing just that. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is going to be a crazy week of sports. We're going to have a lot to talk about on Monday. God bless you all. Peace out. And go Dubs. Game 6 Clay, baby. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day.